Wow, you know, I think today is a perfect day to remind the American people of conservative values and ideals. Now, I have to go back to 1985, March 13th of 1985 to be exact. I have to quote President Ronald Reagan said this, I have only one thing to say to the tax increasers. Go ahead, make my day. The very first thing that I think a incredibly high amount of conservatives will always argue to people when you ask them well what's one of the main reasons that you describe yourself as a conservative lower taxes the ability to keep your money what you earn for yourself because again you have individual liberty and you believe in economic opportunity you believe in limited government you believe in personal responsibility and security at home and abroad now those are the five principles that have been taken out of the contract with america and former speaker of the house newt gingrich but those are principles that conservatives hold near and dear i always go through on this program conservative values and the very first thing that I will always, always argue. And I do it for a reason. Because I think any sensible American, if you put $10 on the table, right? Here, let, let me give you a scenario. You go out, go out in the yard, you can cut the grass, uh, work on a shed, work on gutter, whatever it is. Just, just go out, do a job. Here's $10 on the table, okay? You do that job, you get this $10. Dollars. It's as simple as that. You worked hard to do that. But then, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a stipulation. I'm going to hang on to $3 of that. And actually, you only get seven of those dollars. Oh, I have to hang on to that. We need, no, this is a, we believe in the, in the strongest centralized federal government. And we want that to be the best that it can be. And you know, there's people out there that, that we have to pay for. Just because you work hard doesn't mean that everyone else throughout the country is going to. Therefore, we have to pay for it as a federal government. Why would anyone in their right mind not say, uh, hold on, wait a minute, I worked for those $10, so I'm going to keep that, and guess what? I'm not going to feel bad about it because I earned those $10. I, any sensible American would say, this isn't right. And we're going to get into the specifics of the Biden tax plan that he unveiled today. But the first value, I always argue, lower taxes for not just any group of Americans, not just teachers or uh, you know, iron workers or people who work on trains in the automobile industry or the uh, airline industry, whatever it is throughout the country, IT, I don't care. If you work with your hands, if you're a farmer, I, I, I couldn't care less. I want, and conservatives all throughout this country, want lower taxes for all. Because we believe that people have a right to what they earn. Now that goes hand in hand with a limited federal government. That's what we want. Hey, government, get off of our backs. Let us do whatever it is that we want to do if we're going to succeed because we work hard and we believe in America. This is the greatest place in the world 
for freedom, for opportunity, for liberty. We don't want a, a massive federal government taking those rights away from us. We believe that society as a whole is composed of individuals. We don't look at people and say, oh, that's a black American, that's an Asian American, that's a Latino American. Unlike the Democrat Party, they see people in groups and then all they see in people, not potential, not, oh, they might be able to go out in, in society and make the best that they possibly can out of themselves. No, they see people as voters and then they group them into the groups that they believe those people identify with. And then they just sling at Republicans the terms racism and Islamophobic and homophobic. The new one they're using now is, is transphobic. They just hurl insults at Republicans and they hope that they stick. Republicans, and I have to quote not only President Reagan, but the great Rush Limbaugh as well. Rush Limbaugh always said that conservatives and Republicans will win elections if they are unapologetically conservative, if they don't apologize, if they don't waste time saying, oh, well, I'm not racist. I've done this and this in my life. Don't even give the Democrats the time of day. If you know that you are not a racist, what is there to worry about? Nothing. And that's a conservative belief. That society as a whole is not composed of groups and grouping people into these certain groups that they believe that they belong in. Society is composed of individuals and those individuals have responsibilities. Those individuals have inalienable rights that cannot be taken away from them because they were given to them from God. We believe in equal justice. We believe that crime should be punished. By the way, we're still, when it comes to crime, monitoring the uh, Derek Chauvin, George Floyd uh, situation that's going on. Like I said, there hasn't been much news that's been made from it, but when there is uh, major breaking news from it, we will cover it on the program. We believe that families know best how to raise their children. We believe that, guess what? Wealth is good, and every single American has an opportunity and deserves that opportunity to be wealthy. We believe in equal opportunity without discriminating. Hey, look at what's going on in, I believe it's Oakland in California. Nothing that comes out of California should surprise anyone anymore. When you have San Diego teachers literally teaching illegal aliens, migrants who have a higher COVID positivity rate than their own students in San Diego and their students are still learning online, we have a problem if, if, if that's what's going on in California. But they are giving money to low-income families for no reason whatsoever other than they, they're earning a lower income than what they believe is the rest of the nation. But here's the catch. If you happen to be white, you will not receive anything. Now, you cannot, and I, I can't stress this enough, you cannot defeat racism, which is, is, is just a, a minor problem in this country. It's only amplified by the mainstream media. There has never been a better time for equality than the time that we are living in right now. And it is only getting 
better. So whatever the media is going to tell you about racism and how it's a prominent issue in this country today, they are lying to you. China, Russia, those are problems that are facing the United States of America, not racism. And the media, by the way, the media, they want a race war. Their whole agenda is to put whites against blacks and blacks against Hispanics and Asians and, and white. They want a race war. Much like the Democrat Party, they see people in terms of groups. Now, uh, we believe in consumer choice health care. I mean, we don't want, that goes back to a limited federal government, we don't want the federal government running health care. What does the federal government do right? Absolutely nothing, nothing at all. As far as our uh, judicial system goes, well, we believe in constitutionalists. Interpret the Constitution as it is written. It's as simple as that. We believe in originalists on the Supreme Court. You know, we believe in free market economy. And we love and adore capitalism. We believe that businesses create jobs. A peace through strength, the Ronald Reagan mentality when it comes to the military. We believe the right to free speech must always, always, always be supported. What is big tech doing today? It was either the Instagram or the Facebook that said if they even hear Donald Trump's voice on there, it gets banned. It's taken off. Now remember, this is a former United States president and you can't even hear his voice on social media. I mean, if, if they haven't shown their cards already and, and, and how is it that it's always conservatives that get banned or suspended? And that, oh, well, well it's a private company. They can do it. They want. Ah, you Republicans say they're a private company. I mean, they are. They have become so powerful at this point in time. Big tech is a monopoly. Section 230 has to go. And I, by the way, I don't for, uh, forget or forgive Senate Republicans for knocking that down back when Donald Trump was still president of the United States and wanted to get Section 230 uh, out of town. We believe that God is necessary for a moral society, freedom. Liberty, pursuit of happiness, America is the best. That's all that conservatives believe in. Uh, we don't really want much more other than that. But what Joe Biden is doing today, the tax plan that Joe Biden is trying to get passed and wants implemented, wants the American people to follow it, is downright awful. And like I said, we'll go through the figures uh, in just a second here. However, I have to give um, a lot of credit to the Wall Street Journal. I don't really do that a lot. There's a lot of things in the Wall Street Journal that I really disagree with. Yesterday, they wrote an article uh, behind Biden's big plans, the belief that government can drive growth. Now, the Wall Street Journal has been holding Joe Biden accountable since last year. They wrote a piece July 9th last year. Biden's bigger government, uh, November 13th of 2020, Biden and big government. They write an article today, Biden's $2.3 trillion infrastructure plan takes broad aim. Uh, and they uh, also go on to point out that of the $620 
billion dollars in Biden's plan that is allocated for transportation. No, no, no. It's really about green energy and buyouts to unions. Well, I have to agree with them there, so I give them credit here. Um, but like I said, anyway, I'm, I'm getting to it in a second, but there is something that is really right on the top of my head. And I saw this a little earlier on today, and this is in the Hill. As far as the mainstream media goes, and I talk all the time about the uh, Society of Professional Journalists, and, and I encourage anyone to go and look at their site, but this is what the Society of Professional Journalists says and indicates is what you should have and possess if you have journalistic integrity. These are the things you should do if you want to have ethical journalism. You need to seek truth and report it. You need to minimize harm. Ethical journalism treats sources, subjects, colleagues, and members of the public as human beings deserving of respect. <laughs> That's almost laughable with our mainstream media. You need to act independently because the highest and primary obligation of ethical journalism is to serve the public. You also need to be accountable and transparent. I would argue our mainstream media doesn't, not only do they not do any of those things, but there is no even attempt to even pretend like they even care about doing those things, that they even have an ounce of ethical journalism in them at all. Now, I think that you can argue to a reasonable American. I think, I think if you're an American who is coming home from work Maybe you just want to see what's going on in the news. You have a lot going on throughout your day. You work hard for your money. You deserve to sit back, watch the news. You would probably say that NBC, ABC, and CBS News are all three of the, you know, the big major media outlets in this country and that you're going to get just the news, that it will be bipartisan. It will be right down the middle. No opinion, no uh, op-eds, no conservative one swing, no liberal swing. However, the, it couldn't be further from the truth. Because here today, headline in the Hill, NBC's Lester Holt. Now remember, Lester Holt is the host of the uh, NBC Nightly News program. This is what the headline reads. Lester Holt warns media against giving quote platform for misinformation that is code name for conservatism and conservatives conservative beliefs if anyone anyone at all says anything that goes against the mainstream media narrative and again remember they all talk in one exact voice remember we went through yesterday all the headlines biden taps harris biden taps harris biden taps harris I mean, the least you can do is write a different headline. Um, so here's what he said today. Lester Holt argued this week that news organizations and the journalists they employ should do everything they can to call out misinformation permeating the political media eco uh, ecosystem and separate facts from falsehoods forcefully to combat that trend. Now, first of all, when it comes to politics, okay, there is always going to be 
a difference of opinions. You are always going to get left-wing spin combined with right-wing spin. But what I'm looking, what I think is one of the biggest things when it comes to politics, you have got to be consistent. If you're consistent in your conservative beliefs, then hey, you're going to get a lot of respect from me. If you are a wacko left-wing nut job, but you're always consistent in that, Guess what? I can respect that too. You're going to get called out on this program if I see it. But, you know, hey, that's what I do. I'm, I'm sure, listen, if anyone else hears this program was a liberal, you can call me out anytime you like. So this is what Lester Holt. Now remember, Lester Holt is supposed to be straight news, right down the middle, news anchor reporting. He says this, quote, and he was accepting the Edward R. Murrow Award for lifetime achievement in journalism that's what makes this so ironic he says quote and this was uh last night i think it's become clearer that fairness okay fairness remember as straight news nbc news guy i think it's become clearer that fairness is overrated he says no, no we're past the days of having journal so-called journalists be moderators bring on someone who's a conservative and a liberal and you let them duke it out that's gone fairness is overrated says lester holt before you run off and tweet that headline he says let me explain a bit the idea that we should always give two sides equal weight and merit does not reflect the world we find ourselves in that the sun sets in the west is a fact any contrary view does not deserve our time or attention and by the way i always make this argument because i don't know i guess a little bit of a troublemaker but i think that it needs to be said every single thing is an opinion every single statement is an opinion now you could say all right well philip two plus two is four now i would agree that two plus two is four but if you really dial it back and listen just stay with stick with me on this i'm not gonna spend too much time on this but you could have someone who has never learned this stuff before has never learned math has learned their own style of math and said well no two plus two is actually five or two plus two is six Say, well, who taught you that? Well, my math professor, and again, this is all hypothetical. If, uh, my math teacher who teaches me this stuff tells me this and says that it's a fact. Two plus two is five. Well, are you gonna? how can you argue with that person? Then you have to go back throughout history. Who made numbers? You know, who who decided that, that two comes after one or that three comes after two? I, it, it, there might be some, I don't know off the top of my head, I'll be honest with you there, but you know, who decides that this is how many barrels of oil we make in a year? Who decides that peop, this is the set tax? I mean, there, there's so many questions out there, but everything is an opinion. I would argue that something becomes a fact when you have an overwhelming majority of people who say, oh, you know what? Yeah, I, I I agree with that. And again, even in in that circumstance, you can still reasonably argue that everything said is an opinion. So when you have Lester Holt here saying 
fairness is overrated and facts and any contrary view to facts they don't deserve our time or attention well lester you're a journalist journalist you get to sit there and determine who comes on your program who doesn't but you don't get to go telling other people hey well well that fact doesn't uh, align with my narrative so therefore fairness is overrated that's not how it works if you have ethical if you are an ethical journalist that's not how it works lester Holt reference go figure right recent events like the january 6th rioting by former by supporters of former president trump and conspiracy theories that have grown online about the coronavirus pandemic decisions to give unsupported arguments equal coverage time are quote not a dereliction of journalistic responsibility or some kind of agenda holt said in fact it's just the opposite so remember lester holt what does he say fairness is overrated and again it's not just lester holt who thinks that it's all of the mainstream media they give their agenda you disagree with it well that must not be a fact and that's it they're right you're wrong you have to listen to them and that and by the way that's why they absolutely hate talk radio they hate how powerful talk radio is they hate that talk people that talk radio host can can give all these all their opinions uh and give a you know talk radio is dominated by conservatives that's why they hate it so much and they just they want people to watch them they're so self-absorbed in their self that they know you 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 watch my program and and that's it and they all speak in one voice and it, it, it listen i i don't it doesn't give me pleasure or, or or pride to to report on it but that's that's the country we live in right now you know above all other mainstream media journalists well guess what my loyalty is to this country above all of that okay all right so let's get into joe unity biden today oh hey i made the prediction last thursday that joe biden will fall again throughout his presidency uh, by the way he's got 1390 days left to go it almost happened today joe biden going up the steps on air force one which should be called stair force one at this point in time the way joe goes up those bad boys he was headed to pittsburgh to unveil his tax plan and oh oh, oh god i'm good i'm all right stumbled going up the steps almost went over again so anyway here let's pick apart joe biden's tax plan uh i think the new york post did a real good job actually today of uh uh unraveling the whole plan and i will give you the numbers behind it this isn't you know my spin on it uh not opinion here uh this is a straight news article from the new york post Stephen nelson writing president biden unveils multi-trillion dollar infrastructure plan president joe unity biden all right i added that on wednesday rolled out the broad outline of a two trillion dollar infrastructure and jobs package that he hopes to finance through tax hikes on corporations and guess what individuals and by the way if you're making over four hundred thousand dollars and now it might be down to 
$200,000. And you're, I mean, Joe Biden has literally said to you, I am raising taxes on you. I am going to take your money. And, and you, you watch how quick that that goes down to people making less than $200,000. Anyway, Biden says, uh, in his marks, unveiling the proposal, Biden said it would, quote, mark the moment that America won the future, he says. He says, the rest of the world is closing in and closing in fast. We can't allow this to continue. So during a pandemic, when the world is closing in, I, Joe Biden, Joe Unity Biden, oh, I'm a little tired here. I am going to take away your money. That's what Joe Biden is focused on doing during a pandemic, nonetheless. So here are the facts and the figures. $400 billion going to home care for seniors and the disabled. A hundred, listen to some of these figures, by the way, $174 billion for electric vehicles, $115 billion to roads and bridges, modernizing water systems gets $111 billion dollars. For school construction, another $100 billion. Public transit gets $85 billion. Amtrak repairs, $80 billion. Broadband internet, $100 billion. Infrastructure resilience, five, uh, excuse me, $50 billion. Public housing, $40 billion. The weatherizing of buildings, $27 billion. Transformative and ambitious projects, another $25 billion. Upgrading of child care facilities, $25 billion. Airport construction, $25 billion. Notice how many, how many billions are being thrown in here. This, by the way, all while we have in this country a national debt of 23 trillion dollars i mean democrats are throwing around trillions now like it's absolutely nothing every conservative should be concerned about these figures but like i said no one pays attention to the national debt anymore the national debt is just used as a political tool for the opposition party when they want to make a political point when the other party wants to spend money on something, oh my God, well, our national debt's 23 trillion. Well, listen, I, that national debt concerns me, but it seems like in Washington, D.C., it's whatever. No one cares about that debt anymore in D.C. Uh, you get an additional $20 billion going to bike lanes and pedestrian safety, uh, $20 billion to connect, get this, connect disadvantaged neighborhoods well again disadvantaged neighborhoods we've thrown trillions and trillions of dollars at that already those neighborhoods still continuously vote democrat and then wonder why nothing changes ports and ferries receiving 17 billion dollars get this now cap oil wells and old mines 
Oil is going away under Joe Unity Biden. Oh, and hey, there's you know what? I haven't brought this up for a long time, but you know Joe Biden eventually is going to ban fracking. And um, this is the American Petroleum Institute. I used to give these numbers out all the time. I haven't for a while. I got to get back to it here. But these are the statistics that will be a reality if Joe Biden bans fracking. Get this now. And remember, we're in 2021 here, so this should start to be a little scary because by next year, if fracking is banned in this country, up to 7.3 million fewer Americans will have jobs. 7.3 million jobs. You can kiss them goodbye. 7.1 trillion dollars in potential losses to the U.S. economy just nine years from now in 2030. $6.3 trillion less for families to spend on priorities, whatever they want to spend their money on. $900 billion increase in U.S. household energy costs through 2030. Again, nine years from now. He's not a fan of oil. He's not. And again, as far as oil goes, we're a net exporter. We're the best at it right now. In two, three years' time, Forget about it. He's spending $16 billion to cap oil wells. Community colleges receiving $17 billion. Uh, Civilian Climate Corps going to receive $10 billion. Redevelop industrial sites, $5 billion. And that's what is in this plan of Joe Unity Biden. Now, dive further into it. The Congressional Budget Office, CBO. I have to go to uh, Scott Hodge here. So Scott Hodge, for those of you who aren't familiar with him, he's the president of the Tax Foundation. So he writes a piece today in the Tax Foundation. The CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, they put out a study. The benefits of Biden's $2 trillion infrastructure plan will not will not outweigh the $2 trillion tax hike. Hodge writes, President Joe Biden is preparing to roll out an eight-year, $2 trillion infrastructure plan paid for by $2 trillion in tax increases on U.S. corporations, those big, bad U.S. corporations, spread out over 15 years. Now, setting aside the questionable mix of math and years, the premise is that the economic benefits of government infrastructure spending outweigh the economic harm from an increase in corporate taxes. The Biden administration has yet to make that case. And economic studies, including those by the Congressional Budget Office, indicate that the benefits of the Biden infrastructure plan will not, won't outweigh the cost to the economy of the tax increases. He says now, as I wrote about, this is Scott Hodge, president of the Tax Foundation, as I wrote about last year, when presidential candidates were discussing infrastructure spending, CBO determined, and this was in a June 2016 report entitled The Macroeconomic and Budgetary Effects of Federal Investment, that number one, and we're going to go through the points here in depth, Federal investments deliver only half the economic returns 
as private sector invest investments, 5% up against 10%. Now it uh, reads, CBO estimates, here I said, oh there, my goodness gracious, CBO estimates that the average rate of a return on private sector investment is currently about 10%. That is a $1 increase in private investment, all else being equal, increases output by 10 cents over a year. As a result, the average rate of return on federal investment in the illustrative policies examined in the report is about 5%. So in other words, a $100 million federal investment would increase GDP by $5 million, whereas the same private investment would boost GDP by not five, but $10 million. The second point he argues, a dollar, one dollar of federal spending results in only 67 cents worth of actual investment because state, local, and private sector entities reduce their spending in response to the federal dollars. Uh, CBO's analysis of the economic literature found that federal investment spending tend to crowd out or disincentivize investments by states, localities, and private entities, which, guess what, dampens the effect of federal investment. The net effect is that $1 increase in federal investment reduces investment by states, localities, and private entities by one-third of a dollar. So when the federal government, and this is the simplest of terms, when the federal government invests $1, non-federal sources reduce their investment by 33 cents, which leaves a net investment of 67 cents, not the full $1. Third point that Hodge argues, federal investment financed by debt or taxes could do more economic harm than good because federal borrowing and taxes crowd out private investment. To avoid harming the economy, federal investment should be financed by cuts in other discretionary programs. It says in conclusion, the economics is clear. If Biden wants to maximize the economic benefits of his $2 trillion plan in new infrastructure spending, he should cut $2 trillion in other wasteful government spending to pay for it. You think Joe Unity Biden is going to do that? Absolutely not. So guess what? Guess who loses at the end of the day? Yep, that's right. America. The American taxpayer. Again. Now, former President Donald Trump released a statement today totally opposing Joe Biden's tax plan. It says Joe Biden's radical plan to implement the largest tax hike in American history is a massive giveaway to China and many other countries that will send thousands of factories, millions of jobs, and trillions of dollars to these competitive nations. The Biden plan will crush American workers, decimate U.S. manufacturing, all while giving special tax privileges to outsourcers, foreign and giant multinational corporations as well. He says, this tax hike is a classic globalist betrayal by Joe Biden and his friends. The lobbyists will win. The special interests 
will win. China will win. The Washington politicians and government bureaucrats will win, but hardworking American families will lose. Joe Biden's cruel and heartless attack on the American dream must never be allowed to become federal law. Just like our southern border went from best to worst and is now in shambles, our economy will be destroyed. Another point I have to make on Joe Unity Biden. Here's the, uh, the Hill writing earlier this month. As gas prices soar, and this is Liz Peak, by the way, as gas prices soar, Americans can blame Joe Biden. And by the way, if, if you just look at gas prices, look at what you were paying at the pump. Like for me, for example, I was paying $26 to fill my tank for gas. Now I'm paying $30. Should have taken a picture of it. Uh, so you actually believe me. Not have to take my word for it. Anyway, so Liz Peak writes in the Hill, President Biden is already boosting oil prices. He's barely even gotten started. Biden is frantic to help Americans hard hit by COVID-19, or so he says. But while his $1.9 trillion American rescue plan would send cash to millions, much of that windfall may go to pay for higher gasoline and home heating prices. She says it's clear just by Biden's opening moves that his appointments of progressives to important cabinet posts and insertion of climate issues into every agency's agenda will doubtless uh, will drive U.S. oil and gas investment and production down over time. Consequently, guess what happens? Prices will increase. In 2012, President Barack Hussein Obama suffered one of the worst ever drops in his approval rating when gas prices spiked. According to a New York Times and CBS News poll at the time, 54% of poll respondents believed that a president can do a lot to control gas prices and had punished Obama accordingly. In Biden's case, that 54% is correct. Now, Another thing that, and I'll steer away from uh, Joe Biden here for a second, but something that the Democrats have been going around saying, Stacey Abrams in particular from Georgia, the big politician in uh, Georgia, Stacey Abrams, they've been saying this new Georgia bill, which I want to spend a little bit of time here discussing, it's all about voter suppression and suppressing mostly minority votes and voices you know however the left wants to spin it well it's funny though because americans support overwhelmingly support the simple idea of having voter id now i pulled this from uh gallup and this is this came on uh, august 22nd of 2016 here's the headline four in five americans support voter ID laws, and also early voting. This data came from an August 15th to 16th Gallup poll in 2016. While providing early voting opportunities and requiring voters to show photo identification at polling stations are popular among a majority of Americans. Both are contentiously debated by party leaders and are being contested in state courts. 
Most recently, again, remember, this is in 2016, a federal judge in Ohio ruled against limiting early voting, saying the move would discriminate against black voters. There are electorally strategic reasons as to why each major political party has a stake in the two contested policies. Now, remember, the poll showed here, though, that four in five Americans support voter ID. Now, this came out in the Washington Examiner. This is from this year. This was a, a few weeks back, actually two weeks ago, uh, on Wednesday, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Washington Examiner poll. 69%, okay, 69% of black voters, these are black voters, and 75% overall support voter ID laws. New polling shows that a large majority support voter ID laws that require individuals to show a photo identification before voting, including almost 70% of black voters. This was released by Rasmussen. 75% of American voters believe photo identification should be presented before voting. On top of that, 69% of black voters also support voter ID laws. Now, Joe Biden last month said this about black voters, black and Latino voters. This is literally, I'm not making this up. This is his exact quote. Not everybody, and he was arguing against uh, voter ID. He says, not everybody in the community, in the Hispanic and African-American community, particularly in rural areas that are distant and or inner city districts, know how to use, know how to get online to determine uh, how to get in line for that COVID vaccination at the Walgreens or at the at a particular store. So it's Joe Biden's position that black and Latino people don't know how to get online his position now he was talking about covid there let me uh, uh correct the record he was talking about covid there but joe biden and the democrat party also argue that voter id is suppressing the vote because they believe talking about the same group of people blacks and latinos don't know how to get online and don't know how to get a form of identification. I mean, it's it's the same argument with Lester Holt saying that we shouldn't provide a platform for misinformation. The American people are smart. They can think for themselves. If they need to, they can get a piece of identification. And I would argue you need a piece of ID to go to the store and buy alcohol. You need a piece of identification to go, I mean, you need it to go into the White House. You need it to go into any building that, that there is. You want to go to school? Well, you need to have identification. You need identification to live. But when it comes to voting for some reason, and why? Why don't Democrats want voter ID? So that they can cheat to win elections. That's, that's their only reason why. They'll never come out and say it. Well, maybe Joe Biden will at some point in time. I mean, remember in the buildup to the election, Joe Biden said, we've we've created the the best uh, uh, way, to, way to have voter fraud in this country. 
literally said that. Then Facebook uh, went and fa uh, uh, said, no, 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 this is this is out of context. Those are, even though those are his exact words. So uh, sticking with the uh, election laws here and the Georgia voting uh, bill that was passed by Governor Brian Kemp in Georgia. Well, Brian Kemp writes an op-ed today. He says, quote, Georgia's election law. Ignore the Democrats' false attacks. Here are the facts about the bill I signed. Well, it's Governor Brian Kemp in Georgia who signed the bill. So I would think the best person to talk about it is, yeah, probably Brian Kemp. He says, in their blatant assault on local election systems across the country, Democrats in the mainstream media are spreading lies and misinformation about Georgia's Election Integrity Act that I recently signed into law. He says the rhetoric of the left is disingenuous and completely false. Here is what is in SB 202, Senate Bill 202. It expands access to early voting statewide by requiring two mandatory Saturdays and allowing local election officials the option of up to two Sundays during early voting. This change applies to all 159 counties in Georgia for the first time and result in hundreds of hours of increased early voting opportunities across the state. SB 202 requires all voters to provide a driver's license or a, and by the way, a free state ID card. He's literally going to give it to you for free. A free state ID card number to request and submit an absentee ballot. This would replace the cumbersome signature match process, thereby significantly streamlining and securing absentee ballot verification and tabulation. Every Georgia voter must already present some form of photo ID to vote in person. He says uh, another thing in the bill, for the first time ballot drop boxes, which were not available to Georgia voters prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, mandated in every county, while also ensuring all drop boxes are secured around the clock. It says SB 202, protects polling locations from electioneering by private individuals. Within 100 feet of the precinct, election officials may provide water at stations. Beyond 150 feet, as previous Georgia law allowed, private individuals may campaign and provide food and water for voters. So when you hear the Democrats out there saying you can't, and, and news anchors, so-called news anchors, saying they can't, even, they can't even give water to people waiting in line, Again, that's a lie. It also requires local election officials to continue tabulating votes until counting is complete. No more pausing voting in the middle of the night. And mandates the use of security paper to ensure complete authentication of ballots. Governor Kemp says, as you can see, these reforms have nothing to do with voter suppression or Jim Crow. The Election Integrity Act makes it easier to vote by expanding access to the polls and harder to cheat by ensuring the security of the ballot box. I give Governor Brian Kemp in Georgia a ton 
a ton of credit for reforming election laws. We need to have voter ID. It shouldn't be this difficult. And he's getting attacked relentlessly by the left uh, for that. Now, in other news today, how this this video was just shocking and disgusting. I actually saw it on uh, Fox. I saw it earlier in the day, Fox News at night. Uh, uh, I believe who's uh, Kevin Corks in tonight. I was just watching him uh, before the program. Uh, it showed the video. Border, get this headline: Border Patrol video shows smugglers abandoning five-year-old and three-year-old at the border. Now, abandoning is putting it loosely. Gloria I. Chavez, uh, U.S. Border Patrol's El Paso sector, uh, that, that's where she works, it, she released this video today, and it's literally smugglers, right? They have a three and a five, three and five years old uh, girls, there, you can see the video where they're at the fence on the other side of the border and they're dropping, literally dropping the girls over the border wall. I was like, you can't be serious, but that's what's happening at our southern border. And by the way, here's the million dollar question when it comes to our border. Isn't Kamala Harris in charge of fixing the problem? Well, where is she? absolutely nowhere to be found no meeting scheduled to go down there either uh you had this news today in the daily caller man charged with brutally beating a 65 year old asian woman if you've seen the video it's absolutely horrific it happened in new york city this guy just walks up and starts kicking the hell out of this age 65 year old Asian woman. It's disgusting. But anyway, this man, um, this guy's name is Brandon Elliott. Well, he's a parolee who's out was out on supervised release and was nabbed by NYPD detectives within 48 hours of the assault. Well, his background is he's a he's on lifetime parole. Uh, he was convicted of murder nearly 20 years ago was arrested and charged um, with beating the 65-year-old elderly woman. Now, Elliot was charged with attempted assault as a hate crime, two counts of assault as a hate crime, uh, and assault and attempted assault, the NYPD confirmed. Now, he's a ho he's, uh, is homeless, residing at a homeless hotel, just blocks from where the attack took place. Uh, get this, in 2002... He was convicted for stabbing his mother to death in the Bronx. He was released from prison in 2019 on lifetime parole, according to this report. This is an evil man. I mean, he really well and truly is. Uh, the video was captured on surveillance, literally showing him kicking a 65-year-old Asian woman in the chest while she walked, she, this was so bad of her to do, right? While she was walking to church. The assailant told the woman, F you, you don't belong here. And this is a black man kicking and beating an Asian woman. Hasn't been much discussion about it in the mainstream media. Has there been? Uh, the uh, New, um, New York Times, attack on 
Asian woman in Midtown prompts another hate crime investigation. Mayor Bill de Blasio said at a news conference yesterday morning that the video of the attack was absolutely disgusting and outrageous, added it was absolutely unacceptable that no one intervened or came to the woman's aid. Said this, tough guy de Blasio now. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. You've got to help your fellow New Yorker. You know why that's so ironic? Because Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York City, is not respected. This is a guy that voted to defund the police. This is happening in your city, mayor. I don't care who you are. You've got to help your New Yorkers, your constituency. This is happening in your city, and New York City's not the only one. It's happening in Chicago, and Philadelphia, and Detroit, all around. Just name a big, major American city and see how it has been let down by the Democrat Party. De Who is de Blasio to call other New Yorkers? Well, someone should help. I agree someone should have helped. But where is your leadership? Mayor, you have none. You're incapable of showing leadership. Disgusting. Uh, hey, I got a few minutes ago, by the way, a news update. This comes out of Fox News. Uh, not good either. Uh, Orange, California. I'm literally just reading the news update here. Uh, Orange, California shooting leaves four dead, two wounded at business complex, a complex suspect in custody. Uh, suspect shot by police and one of the suspect's victims were reportedly both in critical condition uh, Wednesday night in Southern California after a shooting at a business complex. According to reports, at least four, so, oh my God, so sad here. At least four people were killed, including a child. Disgusting, heartbreaking. In the shooting, which happened in Orange, California, about 30 miles south uh, east of Los Angeles, this is what police said. Suspect was in custody, transported to a hospital for treatment of gunshot wounds after reportedly exchanging shots with arriving officers. Uh, at least one firearm recovered at the shooting. Uh, an officer involved shooting occurred uh, was one of the few initial details. The Orange County Police, like I said, I apologize, I'm just reading this now, was one of the few initial details the Orange County Police Department posted on Facebook. More information from the department was expected later uh, Wednesday evening. I, Jeez, that is very, very sad. A child being killed, four people, terrible. Uh, the shooting in... Um, uh, Orange, uh, California. So, I mean, our hearts go out to, to the families affected uh, by that. I, that's just so sad. At some point in time, you, you're going to have to have maniacs stop shooting other people. And you're so fed up. With, and again, these details are just coming out as we uh, a few moments ago here. You're so angry with yourself. I mean, stop shooting other people. I don't think it's that hard. Law-abiding citizens who are gun owners, they they have the restraint to not kill other people every day that they have the gun. Again, I'm, the, the example here, there's a gun right there. I'm not you know not literally, but obviously figuratively speaking, there's a gun right there. 
Who is that gun killing? Nobody. If your maniac gets a hold of it, an idiot, stupid moron, then that's what that's when the the, the killing occurs, and, and and it's so sad. And and this news uh, that you know just breaking here absolutely uh, breaks my heart. So um, everyone uh, at the program here, their hearts go out to no one speaking on behalf of, of them. Uh, go to uh, all the everyone involved uh, in this uh, incident, the shooting in um, Orange, California. Uh, so very sad there. Um, uh, heartbreaking news coming out of California as we say good night and thank you as always for listening. Philip Ward Show. Back here tomorrow. I'll see you then.